Yeah. <laughs> little easy Christmas listening music. Tim Beers. Cha-cha. See, it's Bossa Nova. Yeah. All I want for Christmas. Interesting. Isn't that nice? That is great. Yeah, subtle, sexy. I didn't think that was even possible. You know what? It's possible. Anything's possible in this day and age. Very true. Well, I'm uh, Jason. And I'm Gary. And we're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. We uh, talk a little bit about soccer, a lot about beer, pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, done this thing. It has. So, uh, what are you drinking there, Tiger? A uh, little Rogue's Santa Private Reserve Ale. Is it leaking out of the glass? Not yet, but no. it is definitely cracked. <laughs> oh, the glass is cracked? Yes. Damn it. So, uh, you're, you're being a little hard on your glasses, bud. I seriously have lost like a half dozen in the last month. Yeah, it's uh, maybe in the stacking or they've got little air bubbles or something in them or something funky going on. My God, each one of those are memories that die. Yeah. I get them for the breweries I visit, and they're memories when they go away. Now you just got to make new memories. You know what I'm drinking out of? The U.S. glass. America. America, You know what doesn't doesn't crack, doesn't run? (laughs) America. America doesn't run. Because all I want for Christmas is a wall. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. (laughs) Right into it. So uh, we're drinking this uh, Rogue Santa's Private Reserve. Um, It's interesting this year. Yeah, Belgian Dark Ale. Yeah, definitely uh, got the Belgian twang on it. Yeah. And then, so it says Belgian-style dark ale with tangerines and boysenberries. Boysenberries. So this is 2018's Vintage. Uh, It's going to bring some holiday cheer, it says. It's packed with tangerines and boysenberries and is guaranteed to turn the most, oh, the worst Grinches into the most spirited (laughs) holiday guests. It's good. Um, Yeah, very fruity. Yeah, it's an interesting pick, without a doubt. I figured we'd spice this thing up a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's the holidays, day before Christmas Eve. Yes. You got to work, I got to work. Yep. And so, then it's on to the holiday. Yes. So uh, what's new with you, man? Not much. Not much? No, not much at all. Just beating your drum, doing your thing. Yeah, just just trying to stay healthy. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, uh, how about them timbers? You've been following them timbers? Yeah, I've been reading some stuff on them, uh, who they've renewed contracts on, who they haven't renewed contracts on, who they're bringing up through the ranks. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. The Timbers are in an evolutionary phase. Yes. So we know that Samuel Armenteros probably has about, what is say, the 23rd? He's got till the 31st, so for just to be a few more days on that contract. Right, and then he goes back to loan. Back to wherever he came from. Yep. And so he's gone. And then there was a whole list of other folks that uh, were working out contracts or they hadn't exercised the options on these guys. Right. So that was interesting. But the guys that we know that are coming back so far are Jeremy's coming back. <clears throat> Mr. I got picked up by the U.S. men's national team. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of cool. Congratulations to him on that. Yeah, get a starting spot on the Timbers, and guess what happens? You roll right up to the U.S. men's national team. You start so. getting looked at. Yep. So Foster Langsdorf got picked up. Lucas got renewed. Dairon Espria, he's back. Sebastian's back. Diego Chara's back. Guzman's back. Um, some dude I've never heard of. Marvin Loria. Yeah, I haven't heard of that guy either. Yeah, I don't know that guy. I don't think he exists. <laughs> Andy Polo is back. Uh, and he had some sort of contractual thing where he like achieved at such a high level that they had to sign him. Oh, nice. So he's back. Uh, Christian Paredes is back. Valeri's back. Eric Williamson. <clears throat> Let's see. Who else here? Renzo Zambrano. Cascante's back. Farfan's back. Modu Jadama. Larry's Mabiala. Alvis. Bridgewell's back. Good old boat captain. At least for now. <laughs> Bill Tulema. Zarek is back. Villafant is back. And 
This says Alvis is back, but I've been hearing a lot of interest in Alvis. Really? Yeah, and so the interview from, uh, what's his nuts, uh, Gavin Wilkinson said yeah. that he's on his way out. Like, Interesting. They said they love Alvis Powell. He's grown up in the club. It's one of the hardest decisions they've ever made, but they're basically shopping him and looking for a home for him. Huh. So, what, you got to wonder, are they going to target a back to replace him, or does Zarek get that spot? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think there's also somebody else in the wings that they brought up from T2 um, that they talked about made a good showing like in, in, at the initial stages of last year uh, down in Arizona and then he, he played T2 for a while um, and I might be confusing him with somebody else it, it, that might actually be a striker that, that I'm talking about but there was somebody that they brought up from T2 that uh, the name didn't sound familiar or anything else, but th- this guy has been phenomenal with T2, looked good at the, the Arizona tryouts and the, the whole tournament down there. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, interesting stuff. So Team in Evolution, uh, Steve Clark has not been re-signed. If so far, it's just Jeff Antonella and Kendall McIntosh. Right. So interesting to see if uh, Steve comes back. Um it's interesting. He played some good ball for us. Yes, he did. He filled in very nicely. But you've got Jeff. He's not going to displace. And really, Kendall's the future. Right. So I just I like the guy, but I'm just not sure he's got... There's, there's just not a lot of room for him here. Right. So who knows? But anyways, that's the Timbers. The stadium's coming along. They ripped the roof off uh, right after. <clears throat> the playoffs ended there. And yeah, and uh, I guess the rumor on that, though, is is we're going to have a buttload of away games to start the season with so they can finish the stadium. Yeah, we don't even start until June. That's yeah. Like the pre-release, because they released, like, all the first games for every team. And right. Our home, home game first game is, like, June. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so oh, we're on the road. Of course, there's schedule changes and playoff changes as well that go in line with that. So we're going to be playing a lot of home games at the end there. Right. Uh, to play catch-up. Yeah. Um, especially with the new playoff format and the season ending, what, first part of October, so they can be done with the MLS Championship by the 10th of November. Right. So all sorts of stuff happening there. All um, sorts of new news. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of that whole playoff format? You know, I don't mind it, but it's definitely going to hurt some some teams that like to hold back um, and and then give it their all on the road or whatever. But uh, yeah, you're you're definitely going to have to play your A game right off the bat. Um, one loss, you're gone. Yeah, well, it's one and done, and there's not much you can do there. Um, so, I mean, I, I like it. We've talked about this, about the playoff format that was, what like, you played really, really hard for two or three weeks. You played a knockout game if you were one of those wild card teams. Yep. And if you were fortunate enough to have a home buy type thing because you were one of the one or two seeds, that was cool. Yeah. But then you're playing your best soccer, rolling into the mid part of November, yeah. international break hits. You're off for 17 to 20 days. And then you're back in December. And then you're back, right? Yeah. So any momentum that you had, it just it killed shot. You, right? So, yep. And I think we've benefited from that as a Timbers team. Oh, I agree. But the other side of it is it kills it for the sport, right? And yeah. MLS just isn't getting the stage that it should if they just had this continual flow. So right. I, I think the format's going to be good. Um, I also think the season was way too long before. Yeah, and I think it's better for the players in the end, too, because it, it actually gives them a real break and time to spend with their families after the season is over. Yeah, totally. I just, uh, again, we, we've talked about the August-September doldrums where we're like, Ugh, Yeah. I'm so ready for the season to be done with. Right. Come on. And, and I think the season is done now in October, which 
helps out. Yeah. The other cool thing is helps. no more negative temperatures in Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. They I, said I, there's like a 20 degree temperature swing if you, by doing it November or I guess yeah, early November versus October. Versus October. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. You know, so I think I think you'll see better weather for the ending of the season too versus some of the crap games that these guys have had to play in. Yeah. So it'll be nice. It's just interesting to watch the league evolve. I think the thing that didn't come back that I wanted to come back were uh, if it's tied at the very end. Yeah. You do the running penalty kick. The running penalty kick. Have you not seen that? Oh, where they dribble up like they do in uh, in hockey. Like hockey. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how MLS used to finish. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how they need to finish. That's excitement. Yeah. It, it would be interesting if they do it that way. But uh, I think I think they're just trying to hold true to the rules across the board, all the way across all competitions. I think the MLS is just trying to catch up to, to finally be where everybody else is at with their formats. I think you adopt some WWE stuff, too. Say again? Adopt some WWE stuff. <laughs> if it's still tied. Off the top rope. Yeah, I want to see some antics in the middle. Have the captains line up. Speaking of that, did you see Nat, the picture of Nat? Huh. Oh, really? Now, what do you do? Oh, my Lord. So Nat's playing soccer in the alumni game in Colorado. Yeah. And he sends on Instagram. If you guys haven't seen this, check it out because it's crazy. But, oh, where'd he go? Um, But Nat tweets out or Instagrams his face. As I'm pulling up here, and he's got a huge gash. He's got like a three-inch gash on his forehead. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Uh, doesn't necessarily say what he did. Holy shit! That <laughs> looks like it needs stitches. Yeah, it did. He said there was a uh, one of the guys they were playing with in the alumni is a doc that gave him a couple stitches there on the sideline. Oh wow! <laughs> so. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> That's a nasty gash, plus the blood and all that yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Looks like a Viking. Yeah, well, there you go. That's Nat. So that's, that's why who I want coming off the top rope, baby. There you go. Bring him back. That's our enforcer. So him and his beard. <laughs> well, so the news which we talked about uh, was is Caleb, because Burhalter hadn't been named to U.S. men's team yet. Yeah. And so our prediction was that Caleb, Caleb was going to go. was going to be top of the list. And so days later, he's on that. That's what everybody's talking about. <clears throat> so uh, all that proves is that we're good at making guesses. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we have any inside knowledge. That's but. great, great insight or or uh, great educated guesses, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you're just piecing it together, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would it would make the most sense when you look at everything that's out there. Yeah. So the deal is, is he goes over to Columbus, interviews well. He's like one of a couple guys at the interviews. Um, supposedly he's the front runner. The next thing you know, the next day he's out in L.A. interviewing in L.A. and sitting with his best, one of his best friends, the uh, general manager of the L.A. Galaxy. Yeah. And they wine and dine him. They take him to the Lakers game, put him in the front row of the Lakers game, him and the owner of the team. And, <laughs> and so all of these rumors circulate, right? And everything's like, oh, he's going to the L.A. Galaxy. Yeah. That's what he's going to do. Right? I can't just go enjoy himself. They gotta put words in his mouth. Right. So he's he's off to L.A. and then a few days later it hits that now he's actually the front runner for the Columbus job. Yeah. And so basically a week ago was the last update that I've seen. Um, it sounds like the the gig is his in Columbus, and that's where he's going. Yeah. Um, so, what really <laughs> happened there, right? Well, the guy probably just went out to L.A., met with his best friend. His best friend's like, "Hey, let's do this fun stuff." They did that, and the media just blows it up to something it's not. Well, or conspiracy theory, right? So you're negotiating with Columbus, who really, really, really wants you. It's obvious that you're the you're the guy that they're getting. 
right? But you want and more he money. knows that, but he wants more money. Yeah. So he calls his best buddy who's out there, and L.A.'s <laughs> looking for a coach, just not him. Right. Right? They show a little bit of mock interest in the guy, and Columbus is like, oh, shit, we're going to lose our guy. Yeah, we're going to have to pay more. We're going to have to pay him more. Open up the checkbook, baby. Oh, boy. And so he's not going to L.A. There's no way he matches what L.A. needs. Well, not only that, he doesn't want to live in L.A. No. He wants to live closer to his family. And where he had success in Akron yeah. and all that crap. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I think it was a leverage deal. <laughs> but the, the conspiracy theories by Jason Rogers. Yeah, here you go. So this guy. Oh, well. Well, good luck, Caleb. Glad you're in the East. Now you got to deal with Atlanta and those guys. So. Yeah, all those top-tier teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let them just duke it out on the east. Oh, God, yeah. Snake a championship in there. So. Bunch of powerhouses. But anyways, well, let's finish up these beers, and then we'll come back uh, with something new and fresh in the glass and talk a little bit about beers and homebrewing. All righty. All right, we're back with a little bit of butterbeer. Butterbeer. So, uh, did the orange cream ale that we talked about, the little orange zest cream yeah, ale. Yeah, yeah. Same recipe, different yeast, because they were out of the yeast that I needed. Right. And uh, so I used, I believe, I believe I used just like a standard American ale yeast. I forget what number, I've got it written down. But uh, it's the same yeast that I used on that original cold cream ale. Yep. That was supposed to be a Kolsch clone, and, and turned into butter up. beer, and that was like hardcore butter. Yes, it was. Right. Yeah. So this, you noted when we uh, right after I kegged it, you noted <laughs> that there was a slight <laughs> buttery, slight taste buttery taste, and you I told, didn't taste it. You told me I was crazy. And I was like, I don't taste it. I taste zest and earthy tones. So, and then I let it sit for another week. Carved it up, brought the carbonation way up on it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm tasting butter. And I'm like, God damn it. Gary either planted a seed in my head. <laughs> so, so we're trying it here. It's like, damn that guy. And it still tastes like butter. Oh, yeah. I can definitely still taste the dye settle in there. So it's, um, it's, it's not subtle now. That's worse than I was the other day. So. It, which is weird. That it would continue to get more prominent when it's at a cold temperature and carbonated. Yeah, so what's interesting is, well, I guess let's listen to a little bit about what diacetyl is, and uh, and then we'll come back and talk about what we think it may be within my beer. Hi, how are you everyone? Welcome back to my lovely channel. For your information, this video was created on 21 May 2018. 22 of hour, 07 of minute and 48 of second. In this lovely day, we are going to explain something. The thing is, what causes diacetyl in beer? In the next few seconds you will get a short information about what causes diacetyl in beer. Hopefully it will help you. Enjoy the video. Here is the explanation about what causes diacetyl in beer. Minimize air pickup during wrecking. Filtration and packaging, because oxygen causes alpha acetolactate in beer to convert to diacetyl. 4. Keep a clean brewery and use clean yeast since lactic acid bacteria and pediococcus can both cause diacetyl problems in beer. Well, there it is. There's the explanation. Did you get that? Yeah, that was painful. What the hell was that? Painful to listen to. <laughs> wow. Oh, my lord. That, that's some lazy person not wanting to explain it and just having their computer read the words. Yeah, when I pulled that up and then I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> this is crap. <laughs> so then I, I went around digging around and then I found this one. So a little bit better. Our first two off flavors are pretty easy to detect for most people. But this next one is one that some people are much, much more sensitive to than others. Diacetyl is a compound that gives beer a fake butter flavor, or even butterscotch notes, and also gives the beer a slick mouthfeel. Diacetyl is caused by oxygen reacting with an alpha-acetolactate, 
which is a normal byproduct of yeast metabolism. Normally, yeast reabsorb and break down alpha-acetolactates if given enough time, but if a brewer doesn't give the yeast enough time, it can remain in the beer, and as soon as you open that beer to drink it, it breaks down into a slick, buttery mess. Personally, I am particularly sensitive to diacetyl, and I've had six packs of pretty highly rated beer that have given me butter bombs. The final off flavor we're covering today is lactobacillus. Lactobacillus is a strain of bacteria. In fact, it's the same strain used to turn milk into cheese and yogurt. Lactobacillus eats the sugars in the unfermented wort, but instead of converting them to alcohol, they convert them to lactic acid. Lactic acid in small amounts can give beer a sour flavor, but in more significant quantities, it gives beer a cheddar cheese or sour milk flavor that is pretty unpleasant. Despite the cheesy places that lactobacillus can take a beer, sour beer styles such as the Berliner Weiss are growing increasingly popular, and a small amount of lactobacillus plays a big role in those beers. All right. <laughs> Was that a better explanation? Much. You much, better much better. So, look, three things. One is unclean equipment. Okay, could be. <laughs> it could be. Possibly. But doubtful, because no. the amount of fucking star sand, the amount of star sand I use. Yeah, that should be killing everything. So, lagering at cold temperatures and not allowing the yeast to come up and kind of like wake back up and then blow off and right. absorb. Um, that's not the case in this one. Because no, because we, uh, y- you did it at 70 degrees. It was you? fermented at 70 degrees, yeah. and it's been sitting in my garage. So actually, it's been the inverse because my garage is cold. Right. Right? And so I've been dropping the temp each night, which shouldn't happen. Like, you don't get you don't get diacetyl from cold crashing. You get it when it's been lagered at a low temperature, and then you suddenly go up and you don't give it time. Right, you got to give it enough time at that end cycle to blow it all off. So that's not it. And so then the other one would be just unhealthy yeast, right? So yeast that dies out that couldn't absorb everything. Right. So and I think that's what happened to me. That could be. Because I talked about when I dumped the trub out of the fermenter at, um, right before I dropped it. It looked like cottage cheese. I mean, it looked yeah. You were saying it was pretty funky, so like it's it looked like nothing I'd seen necessarily before. (laughs) So I am quite confident I didn't have some healthy healthy yeast. Yeah, that could be a big part of it. Um, It could have been the sudden temperature drops that killed the yeast off. It could be a number of different things. Uh, It's just interesting. This is the second beer that you've had it happen to. Yeah, it's the same yeast strain though. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, when I look yeah, back the same, it's that same, same yeast strain. On it. So, so yeah, maybe it's time to find a different yeast strain. Well, so the Pelican that I did, the Pelican clone, I didn't use that. Yeah. I, I used a different yeast strain different and it turned yeast strain out just and great. No issues. So, but I thought I'd settle for this cuz I didn't think it was the yeast. I thought uh I thought it was the cold crashing that I did before. Yeah. So, I don't know, weird stuff, but yeah, this is definitely buttered out, and it's worse than it was, so it's getting, <laughs> it's getting worse by the day. I'm going to have to pull that keg and just pour it. Get your red hot butter beer here. Right. Well, there you go. Because yeah, it was super subtle, and now it's not so much. It was. The initial taste on this, it was very subtle, and and now it's the dominant taste. You know what the side effect of diacetyl is? No. Bloating and a feeling of fullness. Oh, great. So they talk about that that's an... Un- so there's some people that are like... Like diacetyl or that buttery taste in beer... Yeah. Could go well in like chocolate stouts and things like that, right? Sure. Some people would want that but then in you different get beers. Bloated. But if you're a brewer serving a bunch of beer and you need people to buy like four or five pints... Yeah. You don't want your people being bloated. No. no. So, they they got to have room for more beer. Beer and food, baby. So Yeah. 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 yeah interesting stuff, but... Damn it. More diacetyl. <laughs> the joys of home brewing, though, right? So something always goes wrong, like whether it's in the brewing process. I've just been messing around with these, again, lower-end beers. Yeah. I mean, it's giving you the diacetyls. Yeah. Damn it. Sticking with imperial stouts. Yeah, you got to go with the stuff that's got the uh, high alcohol content in it that kills everything. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's kind of our next thought there. So, but first off, how is your milk stout doing? 
You know, it's been bottled and bottle conditioned now for two full weeks. Oh. Um, so I'm thinking it should be pretty much ready to go. Uh, I'm I'm the opposite school of thought of you on beer when it comes to this. Uh, and a lot of the people that listen to our podcast know this. Jason likes to taste a beer very, very fresh. So almost immediately after fermentation's done, I'm drinking it. Yeah. Jason's drinking that beer. He wants to know what it tastes like. He's drinking it, and that's that. I'm drinking it from the work, like the second yeah, it's no, exactly. Cooling, yeah, I drink it from there. Yeah, and, so. and there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong at all. I, on the other hand, have got like a overly patient complex when it comes to doing beer. We're all bottle age it for weeks longer than it calls for i'll leave it in the fermenter for a week longer than it calls for um and just let it age out and see what it does uh which usually gives me a little different tasting beer than than other people get Uh, so i'm not sure what this one's gonna do though because when you and i brewed this thing um we had this weird, nasty sludge show up in the pump when we tried to, <laughs> to recirculate. Then when I dropped the trub before bottling, the same thing. Just this thick, gooey, almost paste that was looked like chocolate paste. And then after I bottled it, um, I just cleaned the fermenter out uh, a couple days ago. And dropped the rest of what was in there into a bucket. And it looked like chocolate um, pancakes uh, batter, uh, which was crazy. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of sentiment in the beer. uh, And it's just going to have to settle out. Cool. Well, let's uh, take a small break. We will crack that open because this diacetyl beer is killing me. <laughs> um, and we will come back with a small interview from Jeff Parker from the Dudes Brewing out of Los Angeles. Cool. Talking about the mistakes of brewing that oh, yeah. brewers make. And then uh, let's taste that milk stout. So cool, cool. We'll be back. When, you, when it comes to brewing beer and you're doing it at home and it's like, hey, try this. <laughs> Am I going to die? What's in there? Um what I've read was that when I read this, this is you know back in the in the '90s. No, there's no known pathogens that that can survive in a homebrew if you start with clean source water, hops, barley, and yeast. Even if you get airborne bacteria, as long as you don't, uh, <laughs> as long as you don't have anybody with a I don't know, like Ebola stopping by for. A brew day or something. Not, it, it's not gonna. It's not gonna make it through the the pH that the beer drops down to, except for the the yeast and the wild yeast and the. It may taste horrible, but it, it won't kill you. It's just gonna taste awful if something if a if a beer spoiler gets in there. Now, if you're brewing and you put bleach instead of water by accident, yeah, you'll die. But um. <laughs> If you if you if you're responsible and and you you rinse your sanitizer and you do a clean thorough job of cleaning your stuff and you you make a to the best of your effort clean homebrew yeah when when it comes to hitting up a brewery for yeast it's uh, honestly I, I've put the offer out to here in the tap room I've had conversations with homebrewers so I was like let me know when you're brewing and we'll, we'll come pull some yeast off the bottom of the tank but um no I think it's great if you can uh, if as a homebrewer if you develop a relationship with your local brewery I don't see why it is a problem to, to share some of your yeast you know one one cell creates hundreds of cells and we, we pitch 15 gallons in our double trunk and we get 50 or 60 gallons when we're done and we can't reuse it all, so it, it goes off to our uh, the guy that collects our grain. We blend it in with our spent grain to kill it, so it doesn't uh, harm the animals, and it goes downstream as feed. But um, no, it's cool. It's neat to uh, to have the opportunity to to share your yeast with uh, with downstream users. Let's talk about homebrew woes. Um, my biggest woe right now is I added too much water. I'm gonna have like 
a watery beer, I think. And it's a lager, so it's gonna be, I don't know. Wait, be... you started out with a lager? Yeah. I think watery lager is the most popular beer style in this yeah. country. Oh yeah? Yeah, people love it. <laughs> Bud Light? Yeah, selling 40s, you're golden. <laughs> right? Watery lager, you nailed it. I got it down, I got it down. Man, but you started with a lager? Why? What What should I have started with? Ale, I mean, maintaining temperature profile of your fermentation. Yeah? It's easier? It's more, it's closer to like a habitable temperature where you can leave okay. it in your bedroom. Yeah. A lager, you have to have a separate fermentation chamber. You're doing it all in a, in a bucket, basically, but... Okay. Yeah, you're going to have a very estery lager. Yeah? A little yeah. gassy? <laughs> no, it's going to be like a fruit bomb. Oh! Uh, well, I hope not. <laughs> it's your baseline, you, you know, you learn, you, you refine your technique. Yeah, That's true upward. Yeah, right? yeah. What were some woes you guys had when you brewed your first beer? Lack of information. When. Okay. Yeah. You just jumped in cold and winged I was, it? I was working off a, a library book from 1989, so there, wow. there really was no, not a whole lot of information. Yeah. Not a whole lot of raw materials, not a whole lot of equipment. Like, you just kind of made everything yourself. How did it turn out? Did it ever... It didn't discourage me. Is it drinkable? You know, you're 17 years old. It's... <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, right on. That's cool. So it didn't fail. Your first brew, it was fine. No. Yeah. First beer, okay. Yeah. Got lucky. Later ones were got worse and then got better. You know, just kind of very cool. Very went cool. through it. Yeah. Bang it out. How about you, man? Would you? Uh, what kind of woes do you have? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty much the same thing. Uh, it was just like equipment limitations where I couldn't do enough, didn't have enough time to be able to brew more. Um, having a lot of problems that like now I fix through like other equipment, like not having yeast drop out, not knowing enough about conditioning time um, to let the beer condition enough before like trying to serve it. And I'm like, I always brewed this dark mild and always tasted like really messy and effed up and then I'd wait like two weeks and then I just figured and then it tasted like amazing and I'm like well what the hell happened and I didn't realize until much later that oh like the yeast dropped out the beer actually had time to condition uh, the flavor to mature all this kind of stuff couldn't figure out what the hell was going on so that was fun that's cool how did it turn out you get you get Drinkability out of it. Or? Dark Miles on tap or tap them right now. So right on. It's the same beer. Right on. So yeah, it turned out pretty good. I'm cool. here right now. <laughs> well, those are the uh, dudes brewing out of uh, Los Angeles. That's Jeff Parker, and uh, again, they've got breweries all up and down through the Los Angeles area: <clears throat> Santa Monica, Huntington Beach, Torrance, Thousand Oaks, Santa Clara. Yeah. Uh, two regular dudes talking about uh, how they got started in brewing, some of the mistakes they made, um, takeaways from that. What did you take away? That uh, I think the big thing was the the bottom, you know, just conditioning of the beer, how much it can change just by giving it a few extra weeks or some extra time on it will totally dra and drastically change the taste of that beer itself. Uh, so. A good good thought on that is if you don't like the taste of your beer, put it put it back in bottle conditioning or whatever and let it sit for a couple more weeks. Yeah. It could drastically change. Totally. That's one of the things is patience, right? And you, we prefaced this yeah. thing with that. But <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Right? And so I, I love tasting my wort. I love tasting the beer right before I put it to uh, the fermenter. Yeah. Right, before, right when I pull it out of the fermenter. And then usually crack a bottle open about after a week. And then, again, I'll age a bunch, which I wax dipped the, yeah. into the abyss. Yeah. Um, and we'll let some sit, but I like to taste all of that, but I never expect right when I pull it out of the fermenter for it to be like the best it's ever going to be. Right. Right. Yeah. So, cause you know, it's, it's gotta, as he said, the yeast has got to drop out of it. 
It's got to open up. It's got to off gas some of the stuff. Like hops are really strong on right. the side. Right. We let them gas off for a while. Well, I think you've used the term a few times before, green beer. Yeah. Um, and, and that's typically what you get right out of the fermenter is what they would co- consider green beer, where it hasn't been conditioned yet. It hasn't had its full chance to, to do what it's going to do. Like you were saying, drop out the yeast have some time to off-gas, do some of this other stuff. So it's it's going to taste different. Um, but to your point, I think it's kind of cool that you do it that way because then you're you're tasting the development of that beer. Whereas the way I do it, I only get to taste the end game. You're tasting it all along the way. So if you find a spot where you like it, you can actually stop it right there. Yeah, and again, everybody's got their own deal. Some people are scared about, again, I don't want to taste the word. It's going to taste funny. It's sugar water. No, exactly. I love the taste of word. Yeah. Mm. And then same thing with pulling it from the fermenters. I'm dropping it into a keg or a bottle. I mean, that's... That's as clean as it's going to be right there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I want to taste. Right. Especially if it's funky as I'm pouring it into a keg. <laughs> you want to know then. I might as well just toss the son of a gun right there, <laughs> right? So. You, you know, though, I've had some beers that were just absolute crap right. coming out of the fermenter. And then they sat for a month, and they turned out great. So yeah. it, it it's hard to judge that book by its cover on some of those. Yep, no, I totally agree. So, yeah, interesting stuff. And then nothing you do in home brewing is going to kill you. Nope, nothing, unless you're using bleach for water. <laughs> That's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to kill you. Oh, or if you have a buddy over that is Ebola or something. Well, yeah, and Ebola is one of those things that's pretty common, so you've got to watch <laughs> out for that. Um, it's the whole bleeding from the eyeballs thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the one that will kill you. Yeah, every time. Every time. So, Well, so it is ski season. We've got snow up on the mountains. The other thing we talk about is snow and skiing. Yes. <clears throat> have you thought about it? Oh, I've thought about it, but... Uh, Your limitations are holding you up. They're holding me up. Um, I haven't even. Pass? I haven't even looked at a snow report. Oh, there's 44 inches as of yesterday, and I know it was snow, snowing up there today. So. Is that on Hood or Bachelor? Uh, Bachelor and Hood had 40 something inches as well. Oh wow! So it's snowing and doing its thing. Yeah, I figured I would not torture myself by looking at a snow report, knowing that I can't quite get up there yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, um, we're talking spring for you, so. Yeah. And, and if you fall with some of the stuff you're on. <laughs> it could be ugly. Yeah. So. It's like I woke up this morning and looked at the mirror and I got a black eye. How did you do that? I have no freaking idea. Oh, my Lord. Had to have happened in my sleep. Wow. Um, yeah, just just a little corner patch on my left eye that it, it's bruised. And I have no idea where it came from. You know what? I told you about fighting that pillow. <laughs> you better better cut that out. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, there you go. Well, so I uh, we're we're heading to what are we heading to? We're heading to Bend on the day after Christmas, and we're going to be staying at McMenamin's. Oh, uh, cool! Doing that, but the intent is to ski. We were a little bit scared last week when we had the fifty degree temperatures. Oh the yeah, I'll bet. But uh, we've rebounded. It's nice. So I pulled the skis down. Pulled my early season skis down. Yeah. Scraped them off the uh, storing wax. Yeah. <clears throat> and scraped and scraped and scraped. And <laughs> it's then, a pain uh, in the re-waxed. ass to get that off, yeah. but it's worth it because your your bases don't get oxidized. So I th- thought what we talked about is a little bit about wax temperature. So there's a, there's different types of wax. Yes. Right. Yeah. So if you're waxing your skis. Uh, there's general all-purpose wax, right? Yeah. Um, generally, what the yeah. ski shops use, they're not using anything high-end. Yeah. And then you've got uh, really, really cold season wax. So correct. And and that wax uh, is geared for temperatures like zero to eighteen, zero to twenty degrees. Right. Right. Yeah. So and that's to help you glide down in those conditions where the snow is crisp, <clears throat> and the wax doesn't need to be soft and kind of and nimble right right yep and then there is warm season wax which is what i applied which is for what we're dealing with snow temperatures right now which are between like 20 and 36 right right and so and that has polymers in it to help keep it slick 
But the key with that is, as the snow temperature's up, right, so if it's 40 degrees outside and the snow's at, let's say, 34, 35, it's watery, a lot more water on it. Yes. So your skis, without a warm warm ski wax, could stick to that. Exactly. And what's yeah. that sensation that you feel as you're sliding across? <laughs> it's grippy. Yeah, it's grippy, man. It's, like it's crazy. It's like you're skiing along and all of a sudden, and then you're skiing along and then, <laughs> so, yeah, it's nasty. But, so, I uh, took a warm weather ski wax, dripped that on. That is expensive as hell, that wax. It's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, that, that and the high-end cold weather wax, yep. like the racers use, is super freaking expensive, too. Yep. So, dripped that on, and then, uh, uh, again, scraped it, and then did the brush on it. And so, we're, we're dialed in, ready to go. Perfect. So, we'll see how that goes. But the thing that I was thinking about uh, was, I'm like, I wonder if I should have just left that layer of, of wax on there, of the racing wax, and then waited to scrape and brush until I got up to the mountain. Or is it too hard at that point? You know, there's different schools of thought on that. There, You've got some race teams that will literally wait until they hit the hill. Right. To scrape and wax their skis and, and condition their skis and brush right. them down. Fresh wax. Um, yeah, exactly. Fresh wax, it's, it's the exact condition that the mountain's in, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm under the school of thought, why not just do it at home? Where you've got more control over what's going on with that ski. Right. You're trying to do it in a parking lot. You're kind of limited on your resources. Well, and so I kind of threw out the idea of scraping, but I'm like, all right, so you do the you do the scraping in the garage. Yeah. Right. And but I'm not going to brush it until I get to the mountain. Right. Yeah. So I pull you, the ski you, down. you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, a brush is brush. again this big and. Yeah. You can pull that out. Right. Regardless, I brushed it and called it good. But my theory is on the transport over to Bend, right, you got all the road grime and all the other crap yeah, that you get so in the When you do that, when they, one of the things they recommend you doing, if you're, you're transporting skis between destinations and you have them outside of the vehicle, yep. is to put them in a bag, um, to bag them. That way the... That road grime, the road grit, all of that crap does not get into your skis. It doesn't get into the brakes. It doesn't mess with the wax. It doesn't do any of that. Um, or, if, like in your case, if you've got the truck, you just put the torn cover on and off you go. But, right. uh, yeah, you want to you wanna avoid getting any of that road grime on those skis at all because it will really screw with your wax oh, job. totally. Right? Fresh wax and road grime. Yeah, crazy And stuff. it'll rush your edges on the trip, believe it or not. It totally does, especially yeah. with the salt and stuff they're using on the roads. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's ski season, so I'll have to uh, give a bachelor report next week uh, when we do this thing. Cool. So, well, so I guess two more final things. Uh, Christmas holidays coming up, so I think we'd like to say Merry Christmas to you uh, listeners. Very Merry Christmas. Um, Gary and I put on the silly podcast, uh, <laughs> try to put it out once a week or once every couple weeks, and we have a pretty good time. So we have a few pops and talk soccer and oh, get to be silly, um, and so we appreciate you listening. Yes, very definitely. But with that being said, we are coming up on our two-year anniversary. So we're about a month and a half away. Holy moly. Yeah, two-year anniversary. So and I've got some life changes. you got some life changes coming up. Oh, boy. So <laughs> we're going to have to make some program program changes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so we, I think, probably need to do some goal setting of what we want to do and and what direction we've got to take. Right. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I know some of the other podcasts that we listen to have kind of gotten less less frequency, but really focusing on quality. Whether more it's content. More content or like just different content. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But less about trying to get something pumped out once a week or twice sure. a week or something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. I wouldn't mind going once every couple of weeks. Um, and then the other thought that I've got is what if we do, in those once a couple weeks, we make it, um, it's got to be an event. So we do make sure that we have an interview. We've got to make sure that we line up interviews. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we've got that going. Or we're live casting from a brewery 
which we've done a few times, and yeah. that's fun. Yeah. We love it when people host us. Uh, Joe and Jay have been fantastic to us. We've yep. been there twice. Yeah. Um, and we've been invited to a couple other breweries to do it. So, well, but, we've we've got breweries that we still have to get to. Um, that we went to what was it the the Nano Fest? Yeah, um, and said, "Hey, we'd love to come out." And they said they'd love to have us out. But. Yeah, the guys at Moon Shrimp invited us out, and so so uh, that's kind of where my head is: is that we go to like once every couple weeks, and then we much of that podcast is focused either at a live cast at a brewery doing interviews or doing interviews with brewers or soccer players or whatever it is. Sure. But make it more of an event and yeah. and, and kind of bring the focus that way. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but more to come on that. Um, so what are you doing for the holiday? Uh, you know it's interesting. Yeah. Um, this holiday I'm doing absolutely nothing. Sweet. What are you doing tomorrow night? Uh, that would be Christmas Eve. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Cool. Yeah, I got something for you. No, no. No, I do. No, really, I'm doing absolutely nothing. No, literally, I got something for you. <laughs> so, and then, uh, so uh, New Year's Eve is the following, what, Monday? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a party we're going to. Yeah, that's that should be fun. Should be entertaining. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so we probably should record Sunday night, so that's the 30th, and kind of do our end-of-year blowout. Yeah. All right, so, and uh, and do that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. But with that, I guess that's all I've got, man. All right. Merry Christmas, listeners. Merry uh, Christmas to all and to all a good night. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you guys right before New Year's. Be safe. Don't drink and drive, but drink lots of beer. Uber if you have to. Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide our sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, you go down in history.
silent night Holy night Always come Always bright Round your bedroom Mother and child Just you wait and see Please have snow And mistletoe And presents in the tree Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas. If only in my Lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. 
And outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you Come on, it's lovely weather for us, lay right together with you Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go, let's look at a show We are riding in a wonderland of snow Giddy, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's grand Just holding your hand We are gliding along with the song of a wintry fairy land Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy cozy are we We're snuggled up together like the birds of a feather would be Let's take the road before us and sing a chorus or two Come on, it's lovely weather for us, lay right together with you There's a birthday party at the home of Farmer Gray It will be the perfect ending of a perfect day We'll be singing the songs we love to sing without a single stop At a fireplace while we watch the chestnuts pop There's a happy feeling Nothing in the world can buy When they pass around the coffee And the pumpkin pie It will nearly be like a picture Print by career and eyes These wonderful things Are the things we remember All through our lives Just hear those sleigh bells jingling ring It's a lovely weather for us, lay right together with you And outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you Come on, it's lovely weather for us, lay right together with you
get to 